Welcome to Bayer Hortcast with your field representatives from right around Australia. In this Hortcast, we'll give you a quick wrap-up of the season at hand and things to look out for, including events coming up around you and everything related to growing healthy horticultural crops. We are passionate about the future of horticulture and crop protection, and we look forward to having you join us on Bayer Hortcast. Welcome to Bayer Hortcast. This is episode seven. My name's Craig White, market development agronomist with Bayer Australia, and I'm joined by a couple of special guests here on episode seven today to talk about some soil health topics, and one being Rob Henriksen and also Tim O'Grady from Bayer. So, Rob, how are you today? Yeah, very well, thanks, Craig. Good, and Tim, how are you going today, mate? Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, great. So you guys are sitting together. Just give uh, listeners a little insight into where you are uh, sitting together and what the uh, operations are that you're uh, looking at today. Okay, look, um, I'm a director of Calfresh, uh, which is a large packing company in Queensland for vegetables. Um, my dad and I started the company uh, 30 years ago and um, we we were like the, the perfect team. I ran the packing shed and he ran the, sh- the farms. Mm-hmm. And um, as the business grew bigger and bigger, um, we had more and more people became involved um, to the point where a couple of years ago, um, we were able to sell um, half the company to the guys who ran it. And I've stepped back into more of a farming role, um, which I'm really enjoying. So um, I, I guess I was sitting in an office for quite a few years looking at you know some of these new farming technologies coming, um, you know, the, to improve soil health and to, to cut the cost of production and um, sort of knew that if I wanted to drive it forward the best way to do it would be to um, do it with feet on the ground so um, I was very lucky to be able to get out of the office and go back into the field so um, that was about um, seven or eight years ago now so um, been been back full-time farming since then which has been great. Yeah it sounds really good I had a look at the Calfresh website and I noticed uh, you said back in 1992 it says there that you and your dad started that so that's really great to unite those local growers from across the a whole heap of geographies. So where are you exactly, Rob? Um, Fassifern Valley, is that right? Yeah, so we, we are in the Fassifern Valley. It's about an hour to the southwest of, of Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, a large part of um, our strategy in the last couple of years has been to um, to get a 12-month supply of our products. So um, that sees the company farming um, from Stanthorpe in the south, uh, which is sort of in some high country on, down on the Queensland New South Wales border, um, we we farm green beans there in the summer. So we farm there on the Darling Downs um, at Calbar and Gatton, which is both local here and um, and also in Bowen. So we do all the crops we do in the summer here in in Bowen in the winter. Yeah, right. Sounds really interesting. And Tim Tim O'Grady, you've been uh, working with Rob for a few years. You've known each other for a little while. Just tell us where you fit in there. Yeah, Craig, um, quite a long time with Rob and the Calfresh team. So um, I think it's probably fair to say Rob was one of the real pioneers with um, a lot of the soil health changes in vegetable horticulture um, in the early days of adopting compost and mixed species cover cropping and then working with Rob also on some of our biologics products like Serenade. So um, quite a quite a long association. and. Yeah, Rob being a, an active member in partnering with Innovation, um, which is our soil health group for for that time. So yeah, quite a while. 
Yeah. Oh, very good. No, that's excellent. So it's good that you work well together. And uh, Rob, just I probably want to now touch on one of the things you say on your website, and I'm sure you don't just say it on the website, you actually do this, but your passion's for growing healthy, tasty, uh, nutrient-rich food with a really low impact on the earth. So just what is soil health doing about it, or just some of the crops that you're doing perhaps first, and then how um, you know, how do you rate the importance of soil health in getting that uh, good, nutritious food to customers? Yeah, sure. Look, um, you know, our, our claim to fame at CalFresh and what we're most well known for is carrots. And um, we do carrots during the what we call our winter season. So um, it's a winter harvesting season that, that runs until Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also do onions in that time as well. So they're kind of what we call our winter crops. And, um, and then in the summer, we do uh, green beans and sweet corn and some pumpkins as well. So um, that sort of fills the, the rotations in uh, on the farm. But um, been a bit of a, an unfolding thing as to um, which crops work well together and um you know what 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 crop benefits are next and um so one of the one of the things we've implemented is um whenever we have a a gap in the rotation of of um greater than two months we'll we'll put in a cover crop rather than leaving the the farm bare Mm -hmm. and um so we're trying now to um to get at least one cover crop on the farm um per year if if we can in between the rotations and um yeah, you know, it does a couple of things for us. Uh, one, it, in the in the summer, which is we're in a we're in a summer dominant rainfall here, um, we can um, cover our ground during the flood period, or, or at least during the wet season, and um, and it's much better for our soil if we do get uh, any any form of runoff off the farm to um, to to stop the siltation and removal of nutrition from the farm through the removal of silt, and um, and also look just. You know, during the heat of summer, we, you know, if we've got bare soil, it's just baking in the sun. Um, when we've got a cover crop on it, you know, we're actually capturing that that sunlight and um, turning it into carbohydrate and driving it into the soil. So it's it's um, just a far better outcome for our soil than, than letting it out there in, in the heat and um, yeah, just just baking in the the hot Queensland sun. Yep, no, that's a great description. So, I mean, how do you obviously you rate the importance of soil health really? really uh, high up there um what just you know what is soil health if someone was coming right from the start you know what's your vision of of what you're trying to do and what soil health just actually is and how do you do it probably the you know probably the measure craig that um we're all used to is is how much carbon we've got in our soil Mm -hmm. so um you know that's sort of the best measure of of soil health as such but um you know now we're getting new tools and, and new tests um coming along that that are doing you know, counts actual counts of of beneficial microbes in the soil of um, you know bacteria and fungi and and um, you know letting us actually get a, a snapshot of um, what's happening in the soil um, you know over and above just measuring carbon uh, as a you know as a driver of all that stuff I guess. Yeah, really interesting. And what have you done? Sort of, you mentioned a little bit about the cover crops, so perhaps you can flesh that out a little bit more. But you know, what have you done? Other things? Do you bring you know manures and other things like that in, or at all sort of yeah, just plants so, growing? Okay, you know, I guess you know, I said I, I was sitting in the office, mm. um, looking at all this new technology coming, <laughs> and a lot of it started in other industries. You know, so yep. um, you know, the thing that first comes to mind <laughs> is like controlled traffic farming. You know, it um, mm. it, it came into the cotton industry in in Queensland here, and um, 
you know, pretty well took over. Um, you know, be very, very few cotton farmers now that don't have controlled traffic. And, um, you know, it just makes such a big difference. And um, so, you know, a lot of these technologies we've had to adapt to fit into our horticultural systems and our cropping, which wasn't easy. Mm. Um, at that stage, we didn't even have um, a standard, you know, a standard planting width for our crops. So we used to plant them on different different settings and different spacing. So, um, you know, trying to get, you know, a, a uniform width of a tractor and machine, um, you know, took some took some fleshing out because, you know, you don't want to make changes on your farm that, that turn you into, you know, a place where you um, are no longer viable in the industry or you can't make money. Mm. So, um, a lot of, you know, I guess our approach was steady, steady um, and, and a lot of trialling, um, you know, built basically miniatures of the machines that we would need and, and tried them on, you know, one bed at a time and that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, from almost instantly from when we stopped driving randomly on our fields with tractors with dual wheels, um, you know, our, our soil began to change. Um, we're in a we're in a clay based soil here, um, very rich, nu um, nutritious soil. And, um, you know, driving on it with large machines just destroys it. So, um, you know, the, the sooner we could get our machinery off um, where we're going to grow our crops and, and, you know, put it on dedicated zones, um, you know, the soil just responded almost immediately to that. So, um, you know, that was kind of the first thing we did. And, um, and then we started making our own compost. And um, that's been a bit of an evolution over time. But, um, yeah, now we, we um, put uh, compost in our farms at least once a year um that we make ourselves and um that's kind of works in um with the with the um the cover cropping regime and um using you know using things like biologicals um as a part of of that um you know living system of your soil to um to help combat disease and um you know bring more um more stability and um you know better growing principles into our farm yeah so it, you know soil health to me when i first think of it it's you know things like earthworms and bacteria fungi like you say all those sorts of things but as you rightly point out there just um, looking after the structure of the soil so all of those living organisms have got a better environment to live in and then you know whether that's through this this traffic um, point which is a really good pickup there actually and in broadacre they certainly do that and you mentioned there in cotton of course um, just how how vast the change you know or significant change that's been for a lot of people and as an agronomist I know you know coming onto farms and inspecting crops and things you have to take this into account and not just uh, gone to the days really of just driving any old way across the paddocks or the fields to have a look at things you know we've got to take this into consideration because uh, some of these systems take a little while for you know changes to really become evident which I'll ask you about in a moment but um, some really good things there and you mentioned like manures or composts uh, and biologicals um, specifically sort of what are you doing there on those Rob? Yeah we um, we started um, making a, a compost out of um, used mushroom substrate so um, it's the, the stuff they grow mushrooms in basically and they they grow three crops of mushrooms in it then they then they pull it out of their sheds um, and it's a it's a you know, very, very high in um, in all kinds of um, minerals that we need on the farm. So we we started making compost with that and and chicken manure, mm -hmm. and um, it, it, we could turn that around fairly quickly. Like you know, in five or six weeks, we'd have it done. And um, and it's it's very high analysis, so um, it's got 
lots of calcium in it, um, pretty high in, in nitrogen and potassium and things that, you know, we need in our, our soil here. So, um, and it's also fairly high in carbon as, as a finished product. So um, we started putting that out in our crops as a replacement for our base fertiliser. And um, that's been that's been really good. And um, we um, we then balance up the remaining nutrition requirement of the crop based on uh, soil testing. Mm-hmm. The, then um, another big drive for our company has been to reduce the waste that comes out of our packing sheds. So some of it we can feed to cattle, but some of it we can't. And um, we've started making uh, more long-term, more more humic-style compost um, on another site where we um, we use all our waste onions. Um, you know, onions have a, a lot of um, a lot of sulphur in them, and sulphur is a an expensive nutrient for us to put down. So we'd want to reclaim that if we can. So um, we we for a carbon source, we use um, we use wood chip if we can get our hands on it. Um, we've even started using some of our own uh, sweet corn stalks and um, and the onion and chicken manure and um, and that that stuff takes about um, five or six months to make and um, it's more of a, a humic style compost hasn't got as much nutrition in it but it's more about building building humus and um, and building carbon and um, to put back out on the on the ground so um, some of our cropping like harvesting carrots is fairly destructive on the soil we we, um, you know, the the machinery that runs, packs the soil down, does a lot of damage. So we come in with um, a good helping of that. That's more of a store, soil restoring compost um, after carrot harvest and um, and help turn that country around fairly quickly. Yeah, and Rob, just um, on that, you, you made me sort of think about when you're growing. So that's growing the actual crops, um, that sort of approach using those composts that you're making. Um, when you're growing these cover crops that you mentioned, do you treat them like a crop that you would? I mean, you are you're pretty much mashing it into the ground, I guess. At the end of it, is that how you do that? And are you treating it like a crop that you would aim to harvest? So, you, in other words, are you putting you know top nutrition packages on those? Are you using biologics in those, or are they sort of just you know, let grow whatever comes? Yeah, look, good question. We will try and make that cover crop as healthy as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes that means um, putting a bit of fur on it. Sometimes it means um, we, we try and put down uh, compost on it. So you put your compost and your, your cover crop down together. Um, most of our cover crop, we we like to just drill into the harvested beds when we're finished uh, harvesting beans and sweet corn. So um, we don't we don't work it up. We don't we don't do anything after the harvester leaves. We just come in with the drill and drill it into the beds because there's always a bit of residual moisture there. Mm-hmm. So we, we make use of that moisture and um, drill the cover in and um, and then just let it go. And um, look, we've had very good results with that. And um, a lot of our, um, <clears throat> a lot of the sweet corn that we're putting in now uh, this summer is actually um, being strip tilled straight into um, the winter cover that came out of last season's beans. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a very um, tight rotation with um, very minimal soil disturbance and um, and cultivation. Yeah. Okay. Very good. That's good. So treat it well. Um, it's it's treated like a crop because obviously it's going to have a lot of downstream benefits for you as you've described there. And how do you how you been measuring measuring the you know the the benefits? I suppose what are some of the measures? And Tim, you might want to chime in there too as to what you perhaps see. How do we know that the soil health is improving? 
Um, what's what's the measures? Yeah, so um, yeah, just look if we could just go back to um, mm. you know the inputs into the into the cover. You know, it can be a it can be a very um, difficult thing because you know we, when we get low in in water um, irrigation water, like last year we were heading for a zero allocation. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of 30 June, and you know we had cover crop in, and it's say so, you know there's this there's this um, tension about you know do we water the covers, you know is it worth it? Um, so it is an investment. That's one thing I would say, mm-hmm. and you have to treat it like an investment. So if you want to get something out of it, you have to invest into it, and um, you know treating treating the covers well, um, growing growing the biomass is important. But um, you know in all that being said. Um, I've seen some amazing things happen in multi-species cover crops that don't happen in normal cropping. Um, for example, you know, last year we had um, we had some multi-species covers growing through terrible heat and dry, and um, they seem to help each other. Um, you know, you drive past the cover crop and it'd be, you know, growing and being productive, and um, next to it would be a, a bean crop that if you didn't put an inch of water on it every week would die. So, um you know, you see these sort of things happening where you have multi-species together. Um, we also find we get very, very low pest pressure in the multi-species. Um, if we plant the if we plant the the species on their own, you know, they get things like aphids. They get they get bombed by um, heliothus grubs. But when it's part of a multi-species, you you don't get it. So um, it's just very interesting to um, to see those sort of things happen yeah, in so, the in the country. Yeah, sorry, but, you Rob. know, it's gone. I guess I guess my my take on covers has gone from, um, you know, growing tons and tons of bulk and thinking that, you know, that bulk is what's driving your carbon. Um, it's gone from that to what we're actually trying to do is promote the diversity on the farm mm. um, with multi-species covers so that we've got as many different plant roots in the ground as we can get. And um, and that is driving, you know, a, a subterranean diversity of, of microbes that, you um, you know, is is then going to carry on uh, into our cropping, and um, it's actually the carbon. It's the carbon we capture out of the air and and drive down into the root zone. That um, you know is the is the carbohydrate that gets exuded into the soil um, to attract the different fungi and bacteria to the plant roots. That um, is actually bringing our carbon level up um, more so than ploughing in tons and tons of biomass. So even when we're in a dry season. And I, you know, my cover crops look terrible. Um, it's to me, it's not about the top; it's about the bottom. So, um, you know, I'm happy to happy to let them go and and still see a result out of it. Yeah, oh, very good. Really, some really good points there. And Tim, did you have anything to add to that? What you've seen around the well, place? Yeah, Craig, 100% agree with Rob on, you know, the um, the, the impact that multi species cover cropping is having. I think you know, <clears throat> many of the growers I've that have been in the sort of soil health journey, if you want to call it, um, they're probably focused on a few principles. One is sort of maintaining continuous ground cover, um, reducing disturbance in soil, um, bringing in these multi-species mixtures, and then also compost and biologics playing a role as well. But I think, um, you know, it's been probably the multi-species mixtures of, as Rob just said, of getting diversity in the root system and feeding a different Feeding a different microflora is um, is what's been missing in a lot of these specifically vegetable farming systems where we have a 
through cultivation and intensity, you tend to select for a bacterially dominated soil. And what Rob's doing with this is sort of introducing more fungi into the system. And I think, <clears throat> excuse me, you asked a question before about how you measure it. I think a lot of growers, there's different ways to measure soil health. That's a whole other topic. But I think um, a lot of the growers that have been down this journey, both in Australia and growers that have been fortunate enough to have um, like guys like Scott Park in the US, you know, very much innovators in this area, they, they'll they'll sort of tell the same story of, um, you know, um, you see better soil tilth to start with, you see um, better crop resilience when we get extremes of weather, you see more harvest reliability. So they're, they're the measures that the growers that have been in this are seeing, but it's not, it's, it's hard to pinpoint, you know, they're doing it as part of a whole system, not just one, one tactic. Um, but yeah, I mean, more recently, there are a lot of ways to sort of, you know, measure soil health and things like looking at the fungi to bacteria ratio or soil respiration rates, they're all part of um, growers benchmarking and identifying, you know, what what's really making the, um, the progress. Yeah, no, really good stuff there um, to, to point out, I think that's really, really interesting. I mean, there must be a whole heap of information around but Rob you know where have you sort of picked up your information over the years just lots of reading I suppose and or trial and error as well where's the info come from yeah from look, um, <clears throat> to, to be honest the thing that really um, tweaked my interest at the start was um, being a part of the Bayer PWI group um, which is a, a group of horticulturalists that they brought together to um, to look at um, sustainable growing and um they bought Bob Schaefer from America, who is a, um, mm -hmm. a a composter, and um, you know Bob taught us how to compost, and and uh, he and Bob ended up having a day on the farm with me, which was um, sensational, and um, so we really that that really sort of got me going, and and it's just been something that um, I've been interested in and really really wanting to drive, and um, you know we are we are in the catchment of the Brisbane River here, um, and Moreton Bay. So we're always, you know, in the spotlight here about, you know, our farming practices and what happens when it floods and how much silt ends up in the Port of Brisbane. And um, so, you know, I think the the things that we're doing here now, um, you know, are, are dovetailing into, you know, that effort to to try and stop uh, those sort of things or at least um, control them to some degree. And, um, yeah, so we've just... Um, I guess from you know those early early days and looking at the principles of it, I guess and 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 building on it, the the, the interesting thing about horticulture is, um, you know, like I said, most most of it starts in other industries and um, we have to adapt it and make it fit. Um, so it takes a lot of experimentation and um, trial and error and um, yeah, just I guess at the core of it, you you have to believe that um, you know it's going somewhere and that you, and that you want it to happen uh, because you still will have um, you know, some disasters, you're still farming, you still have unexplained, unexpected things. <clears throat> so, but um, yeah, you've just got to, got to, um, yeah, wait for a longer term result. You know, soils are, soils are ancient things. You know, they're, they're thousands and thousands or hundreds of thousands of years old. And um, the, the, um, you know, changing them um, takes time. Um, even, you know, the, the issues that we're seeing or we have seen in our farm um, are the result of a hundred years of of agriculture, mm. um, and now we're and now we're trying to reverse it. So it's it's like it's like turning a ship. It's not a speedboat. 
So, um, yeah, it takes time and it's, it's a, and like I say, it's an investment uh, in the future. So, um, yeah, we just keep, keep going on like that. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's sort of how I got into it was um, initially the interest in composting. Yeah, really good and some <clears throat> really nice little uh, comments you make there about it being a, sh- um, a big ship, not a speedboat. So, yeah, I really like that one. I think that should resonate with a lot of people. And I was going to ask you in a moment what um, advice you might have for other growers as we finished up the Bayer Hawkcast today. But before we do that, what are the next steps in your journey specifically? What are you trying to do? Uh, anything you haven't talked about so far? Oh, no, look, I think, um, you know, we're on a, we're on a learning journey. Um, networking with other people is very important. Um, you know, this isn't the sort of stuff that's sort of mainstream yet. And um, so you pick up information wherever you can. You know, I'm a part of, um, you know, some Facebook groups that are largely based in America. Um, but mo- most of this stuff in America is based on, um, you know, the corn-soybean rotation in the Midwest and um, where it's, you know, relatively simple. But, um, you know, you, you grab what you can and you, you make use of it. And um, you know things like things like strip tillage um, are, are sort of the next place we're going with our summer cropping. So that's sort of something we played around with last year. This year, it's we've mainstreamed it. Um, and um, yeah, I, I guess our, another step for us is going to then be trying to get our harvest regimes to um, to work on the controlled traffic, which is um is difficult and costly but um you know probably in the in the long term is is where we need to go if we actually want to see you know some of the the, the better results from soil health um by you know not not driving on on the paddocks ever mm. yep real big challenge um as i said before being an agronomist that um certainly changed the way i work in a lot of cases too rob um you know different i suppose in broad acre but um, yeah, you just have to, you know, getting in there and monitoring things, you've got to take that into account as to how you don't just drive the vehicle up uh, between where someone's trying to really establish a, a good um, soil structure or texture in there. So, yeah, good luck with that one, and I'm sure that will go well. Just on that strip tillage, you mentioned that. What, what's that about? I'm, I'm not familiar with that particular one. Can you just give us a couple of sentences on what that means? Yeah, sure. Strip, strip tillage basically means <coughs> we work a, you work like a, a six-inch, six- or eight-inch strip of soil mm-hmm. uh rather than rather than the whole the, the whole farm ah, and um yep. yeah so it has a it has a ripper tine yep. and um and yeah contains the, the the soil in there and um yeah so after after our harvesting because our our bean and corn pickers don't sit on the on the on our wheel marks for our tractors um we, we're always having to work up um some of their compaction marks so strip tilling allows us to you know, get back everything back onto a, the same, um, you know, cultivated plane, I guess, um, because we we can work up those those harvester marks, and um, and but it's you know one one pass and we're planting again rather than you know in the old days it was like eight or nine. Uh, and Tim, what any closing comments you'd add in? Yeah, I think from a Bayer point of view, I'm very fortunate um, in my role to have. Yeah, work with people like Rob who are at the cutting edge, I think, with soil health, to be honest, in, in Australia with veggies and similar other growers in, in tree crops that are um, working to develop perennial systems. So I think, you know, just fortunate to work. I, I have tra- been lucky enough to travel a bit with Bayer and have seen 
sort of some of the soil health innovators around the world. And I think I think in Australia we certainly have our fair share um, of innovators who are at the cutting edge. And um, yeah, I mean our role we take really seriously. We don't pretend to be experts, but we really act to act um, create a, a link to experts like you know Jeff Mitchell in UC Davis or Steve Groff in Pennsylvania or. Bob Schaefer, who um, who Rob mentioned. So I think our role is really to try and I think it's a very important role in agriculture is to link innovative growers together, um, bring in experts and share ideas on on how we can all build more soil carbon, which underpins productivity and profitability. And um, yeah, that's that's a role we take really seriously. Yeah, uh, great, Tim. Good uh, closing there. And yeah, at crop.bayer.com.au, you can uh, find contact details for Tim or anyone else in the Bayer team. And yeah, Rob, I'll probably just bring you back in there as well. Um, have you found it working with Bayer over the years? You mentioned the PWI, which is partnering with innovation. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And um, look, you know, I think the role the role and relationship of um, farmer and, and um, chemical company has changed a lot since I've been farming and um, you know we're, we're really you know with the with the new chemistry that that comes and um, you know the the new ideas um, particularly in the in the biological space um, you know you really it's, it's really more like a partnership uh, rather than than a than a transactional customer type arrangement where um, you know the to, to get things to work well, and to um, understand how we're going to get the best out of these products, we really need to be um, talking directly to um, to buyer and um, and understanding, you know, exactly what's needed to um, to to be able to um, you know get our value out of out of the new products that are coming. And um, yeah, that's that's um, you know something that a big change that I've seen, and something that I think that um, you know we we embrace as a company. Um, as we as we go forward yeah it's really good robin yeah i couldn't agree um any more than uh what you guys have said there is exactly how i operate um in the area that i work as well it's just so important they take a long time to develop these uh, new chemistries including you know the biologics as well which when i started working for bayer they just weren't even on their radar but look now um all those years later and tim same for you i'm sure that's been a big change and a really successful one and you know we really want these things to work and be a part of these uh food growing systems for as long as possible but um yeah really good and rob i want to thank you so much for coming on to bayer hawkcast and giving a little insight into what you're doing there and just how important the whole soil health um topic is and uh, we'll put your a few uh, comments that you've made into the show notes as well. But one important point is if people wanted to get in touch with you any further or have a look at what CalFresh is doing, how could they do that? Yeah, look, we have a website, um, www.calfresh.com.au. Um, you can go on there and take a look at what we're doing and um, you can get my contact details from there. But, um, yeah, it's... Um, it's always a pleasure to talk to someone who wants to talk about soil health and or who wants to start on the journey. Yeah, uh, really important and certainly, um, you know, it is talked about all around Australia and all around the world. So it's been great to have you on. And that's Cal Fresh with a K, right? So K-A-L. With a K, yeah. Yeah, just right. uh, for, for people listening. And uh, it's a really nice website. And uh, thank you so much, Rob, for coming on. And Tim, um, keep doing what you're doing there together. And yeah, thanks for joining us on Bayer Hawkcast today. Thanks, Craig. Pleasure, Craig. Pleasure, Craig. 
Thanks for listening to this Bayer Hortcast. To get more information about anything you heard on today's episode, phone 1-800-804-479 to get in touch with us or visit the web at crop.bayer.com.au. Thanks for listening.